Hey everybody, welcome back to the latest post-game edition of Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber, coming to you live from the Lambeau Field Press Box after the Packers' 30-16 win over the Philadelphia Eagles here in Green Bay. Bill, we'll start with the milestone man, Aaron Rodgers, through his 400th career touchdown pass today. Became the fastest in NFL history to do so. Took, only took him 193 games. Um, Drew Brees was second fastest at 205. And, it, you know, milestones are nice and all. They're nice to ask about and celebrate for him and the team. But it really encapsulates kind of the season he's having. If, for all these milestones, he's, he's reached milestones in, in other games. But this is a guy who, at age 37, is leading the league in touchdown passes and passer rating. You know, he's right up there with Patrick Mahomes in the MVP race. We've talked about it so much, but um, let's let's touch on the, the humorous aspect of it so we don't get too repetitive with talking about Rodgers' season. I think the funniest part of it is that this is the first milestone ball he's actually gotten to keep, right? <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, he, he I, yeah, you know, he, he, there was a one, the James Jones, that was, you know, he, he, he even kind of picked out himself too, he's, you know. He said the, the touchdown pass to James Jones, sir, number 100 was a good throw, and the rest of them were really were not, and today's obviously wasn't either. But, yeah, he's uh, something for the trophy case. I'm sure he's probably got a couple. Yeah, it was funny because he said 100th was to James Jones, and Jones even tweeted today he threw it into the stands in Atlanta. 200th was to Devontae, and Rodgers let him keep that ball because it was Devontae's first career touchdown catch. The 300th was to Ty Montgomery, and Rodgers said today he doesn't know where that ball is, and he doesn't consider that one to be too special anyway because it came in a blowout loss. But the 400th, you know, Devontae pretty much did all the work on the play. Caught the ball on kind of a, a quick quick out, um, quick swing pass, maybe you could say, to the left side. Um, and Devontae stiff-armed Darius Slay about six yards into the end zone. And then Devontae got down on two knees and pre- presented it to him like a Devontae called it a worship pose. Um, but Rogers had a big grin on his face and I think really there's no, nobody more fitting, um, to throw his 400th to than Devonte Adams. And I'll mention this quickly. We had, I wouldn't call it an argument cause we both agreed. I would say Devonte, I haven't obviously been here nearly as long as you, but Devonte's best receiver that Rogers has ever thrown to. And you brought up a good, good point that I'd love our listeners to answer. In their prime, Devontae Adams or Jordy Nelson, who are you taking? And, and explain why you, you made your choice. Yeah, I took Devontae Adams, and for fear of having some recency bias, I asked venerable Wisconsin State Journal columnist Tom Oates the same question, and he had the same reasoning as I did. Adams is a complete receiver. Not that Jordy wasn't, but um, D- Devontae will beat you short, he'll beat you medium. Um, he's caught more deep passes than I can ever remember catching him. He is a... He runs the whole route tree, as the, the scouting people like to say. Um, again, not that Jordy couldn't, but Jordy was such a home run threat. But, you know, in, in the touchdown to the n- number 400 against Slay was really the perfect play. He's murder one-on-one. I mean, Slay's got him at the six-yard line, and he couldn't bring him down. I mean, there, there are times that Adams is going to beat the defender with his footwork. Other times, he's just going to use brute force. He can just, you name a way that a receiver can win, Adams can win. And it's really impressive. Granted, Slay came in with a calf issue, left early with a knee issue, but the things Devonta Adams continues to do is just amazing. He had 10 catches for 121 yards and two touchdowns today. 
And he now has 1,029 receiving yards and 13 touchdown catches. His 13 touchdown catches through 10 games this season, mind you, are tied for the most he's had in a single season in his career when he had 13 back in 2018 through the entire season. And the most amazing stat I saw, there, there are a bunch we could throw out there for Devontae Adams, but in NFL history, there are five players who have 1,000 receiving yards and 12 touchdown catches, at least 1,000 receiving yards and 12 touchdown catches through their first 10 games of a season. Their names are Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Jerry Rice, Marvin Harrison, and Devontae Adams. I mean, amazing. that's just ridiculous company to be in, isn't it? <laughs> it blows you away. I mean, any anytime that you're being named or placed in the same sense as, as Jerry Rice, uh, that's, that is rare company. And look, I, I realize today's NFL is different. You know, how, how many catches would Jerry Rice have in today's NFL? You know, he probably caught 150. But everybody knows he's going to get the ball, and, and it doesn't really matter. And the wavelength that him and Rodgers are on, it's it's Rodgers-Nelson-esque. Um, look, it's first and 10 from their one-yard line, and Rodgers just trusts Adams and, and goes deep to him. I mean, there is no separation whatsoever, and he still makes the catch. It is the... The chemistry between these two is just absolutely amazing right now. And it's incredible because Matt LaFleur put it put it well today on that 42-yard connection where Rodgers was eight yards deep in, in his own end zone and fitted in between Avante Maddox and, and Darius Slay. Matt LaFleur said there's no defense for the perfect throw and the perfect catch. And, and that's probably the best way through one play to describe the connection that they have right now. And, and before we get to the defensive side of the ball, you know, we can't forget about Aaron Jones in that three-headed monster. He hasn't eclipsed 100 rushing yards since week two against the Lions when he had 168 and that 75-yard touchdown run on the first play of the second half. But they were in a precarious spot there late in the game after that that fourth and 18 touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts, the Jalen Rager uh, punt return touchdown. And then they had a three and out. And then on their next drive, they need something to, to stave off a horrific collapse and, and Aaron Jones comes through and breaks six tackles on a 77 yard touchdown run. Is that what Aaron Jones needs to, to get going here? Cause he's been in kind of a funk lately for him. I would say after returning from that calf injury, do you think that run is kind of what he needs to, to get the gears going as the season winds down? Yeah. Those things kind of build momentum. Don't they, Matt? Um, I will say though, he, the, the play action game has been so good this year. I, I just think Aaron Jones mere presence in the field, whether he's, you know, getting three and a half yards and sixty yards in a game, or you know, whatever he had today. Um, I I just think he is such a such a complete weapon that you know defenses fear him, and and I think we've seen as crazy as it sounds the way that that Riders is rolling. But I mean, defenses really do play to take away Aaron Jones. That touchdown run, man, we watched it before I came in for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, either five or six broken tackles. I watched it a few more times after you left, and I'm not so sure about the first one. But he broke at least five, maybe six tackles. Um, the guy, he's he is so quick. It wasn't like brute force Derrick Henry kind of missed tackles. It was just guy. He was just him, just like a half step ahead of everybody else, and they're all just diving at his ankles. The guy is so unbelievably quick. Um, you give that guy a a whisper of space, and um, it could say it's a lot of trouble. I thought watching the play live. I thought when he almost bumped into MVS near his own 45-yard line, I was like, all right, nice gain, but that's where the play is going to come down because there's too much clustering going on if, uh, going on right there. 
And then MVS gets out in front of him. Jones kind of slows up, lets MVS get out in front, put on a couple blocks. And then out of nowhere, big number 69, David Bakhtiari, <laughs> running like the wind. And Next Gen Stats clocked him at a top speed of 16.75 miles per hour, which uh, Aaron Rodgers had a good laugh at after the game. Kind of lays the final blow near the goal line. And that kind of reminded me of the run, or I guess it was a reception, that Alvin Kamara had against the Packers in week three. Kind of out to the left, allowed the play to de- and the blocks to develop in front of him, allowed alignment to get out there in front. And Jones did more work on, I would say Jones's run was more impressive because Jones did more work at the beginning of the play. You know, Drew Brees hit Kamara on that, on that screen pass. And then Kamara, yeah, it was an incredible play um, to highlight his elusiveness and his ability to break those tackles. But Jones did a lot of work earlier in, in this play um, and then allowed those blocks to develop, had a little sidestep, made the same guy miss twice. And then did did the rest of the work thanks to his blockers. And which play would you take? Which was more impressive to you? Uh, the, the Jones run. Um, it, and I, and I, I'll, I'll go that way only because of what Lafleur was talking about. Um, it, it's a team effort. Um, Kamara's play was fantastic, but um, you know, right? Lafleur's favorite phrase is, is is players straining for each other. I mean, you got MVS who has had a catch in two weeks. He's he's down there. I mean, they weren't great blocks, but he walled off two guys. You've got a 310 pounds of David Bakhtiari lumbering downfield at, what did you say, 16 point what? 16.75. That's good. You know, even Rodgers is hustling down there. It's eh, just, I don't know about okay, that. Well, <laughs> look, the guy's, the guy's he's down there. He's man. down there. I'm watching the video right now, and I asked Rodgers about it, and he said, you know, I, I don't, don't want to be left in the dust here just because we're talking about Bakhtiari and Rogers quote was, although I wasn't sprinting, I will put that caveat out there right away. I was trailing the play actually. And I felt like I was in good position walling off a guy on the backside. Um, I'm watching this video now. Rogers is in the frame, but I, I can't even tell who the Eagles defender is. Cause right when Rogers starts going at him, he just backs off. He's like, I'm not touching him. There's no chance that the guy Rogers is quote unquote blocking has any impact on the play. Cause he's, pretty far away from Jones but in all seriousness we can laugh about it because it is funny but I'm I, I'm looking at it MVS Bakhtiari Devontae Adams Tunyon Rogers and Elton Jenkins are all in the frame with inside the 20 yard line while Jones is at the 15 like it, LaFleur said it as cheesy and cliche as it can sound you got half the team blocking down there that's what you need it's killer instinct right they, they, it's like they, you know, go, I'll go cliche too. You know, it's, it's, you know, shark smelling blood and, you know, they're, they're going to go, they got a chance to clinch the game and, and, and here comes the Calvary to help the guy out. You know, Jones might've scored anyways, but you know, I'm not sure that Bakhtiari actually did much for all of his effort, but <laughs> no, it, we're, it, it, it is a credit. It, it is, it is very easy to, to stand back and watch. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a Packers defense do this a few times too. You, you know, Zadarius Smith and some others, you know, the, the play gets past you and you just stand there and you become a spectator. David Bakhtiari could have been a spectator, right? Velda Scantling, you know, he was out front, but, you know, he's out there trying to block two guys. El- Elton Jenkins, again, it's another 300-pound guy who could have been a spectator. But, no, there's, they're busting their um, three-letter word that ends with two S's. I don't know if I can say it on a podcast. Oh, yeah, Probably we can. can. This is the athletic. Okay, well, he's we busting his ass. <laughs> um, but you, you know, I don't want to say you don't need to, but you don't see it all the time. Yep. But there they were with, with the game, with the chance to clinch the game, and they are all down there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It might be cliche, but how many times after games this year has Rodgers or or Adams or LaFleur called out the energy, the lackluster week of practice, or just seem generally down after a win or a loss? Mm-hmm. A decent amount. Today, Devontae Adams was was almost glowing. And he said, we're in a really good place as a team right now. And whether that's talking about the culture, the mood in the locker room, the performance on the field, that means something when the, when the team's best players say that. Packers have a three-game lead on the Vikings. Vikings are 6-6. Six and six. Packers are 9-3. and three. Um, Four games to go. Packers have Lions on the road, Panthers and Titans at home, then Bears on the road. They win next week. And the Vikings lose, and Packers win the division and lock up a home playoff game in in week. What is it next week? Week fourteen. Yep. They're in a great spot right now, and the number one seed is still well within reach. The New Orleans Saints are nine and two, so they're one game back. And it's good to get this for the Packers' sake to get the Seahawks off their back. Seahawks lost to the Giants today in Seattle um, because the Seahawks had a better, I believe, strength of conference schedule. And that it was, was common games because Seattle beat something. Minnesota and Green Bay lost to Minnesota yeah, once. I it, believe it was, it was something like that. against three and one. Yeah, it was something like that. And the Seahawks had the tiebreaker, so they didn't want to get in a tiebreaker with them. But if the Packers finish with the same record as the Saints, Packers win that head to head from beating the Saints. And then, uh, as you guys know, only one team gets a bye in the NFC. And yeah, the Packers have probably played better on the road this year, but. Um, yeah, I guess not since two of their three losses came on the road, but they've had some sluggish games against the Vikings and Jaguars, uh, here at Lambeau field, but forcing a team like the Cardinals or the Rams or the Seahawks to come play at Lambeau in January. That's, that's the recipe for success, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's Saints chiefs in a couple of weeks too. I mean, that's obviously yeah. a huge game and obviously Green Bay's got to handle Tennessee. You know, I've got that a lot from people who think, well, Green Bay be better off going on the road, you know, saying going into a dome with no fans, you know, say going to New Orleans. They'd be better off because it's better off for the offense. I'm thinking, would you rather play Drew Brees in New Orleans or would you rather play Drew Brees here in January? Drew Brees I'll here take Drew in Brees January. here. I don't care if there are 300 fans like there was today or if there are 30,000 or if there are 80,000. I'll take Drew Brees in January here um, rather than at the dome. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I think... And we'll switch to the defensive side of the ball now. What was encouraging about tonight is, while yes, Sidarius and Preston Smith had their plays, you know, Preston once again had a pressure on an interception. Zadarius and Preston shared a sack. Uh, Rashawn Gary got a couple sacks. It's guys like Kingsley Kiki and Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark getting pressures that make me think this. And listen, the caveat here is they played the Bears and the Eagles the last two weeks. I understand both offensive lines are in shambles. Both quarterbacks, well, Mitch Trubisky less so, but Carson Wentz can't move around in the pocket. Jalen Jalen Hurts did a lot better in that regard. But how do you feel about this pass rush, this defensive line? For the second straight week, they hold an opponent um, largely in check in the run game. Are you encouraged about this 
defensive line based on the past two weeks, or do you not take much stock in it because of who they played? I think I'm encouraged, Matt, but man, I mean, that is one hell of a caveat. I mean, Carson once has the pocket presence of me, right? I mean, it's just the pressure comes and he just, he folds up like <laughs> origami. It's, it's a brutal. Um, but I think I'm encouraged. You know, they, they have played the run well. I mean, they, they had, I'm looking at it now, they had, they had one run of 11 yards by a non-quarterback. That's, I mean, Miles Sanders came in, I think, second among running backs in yards per carry. He, he averaged 3.1 today. So that's good. But you're right. Um, man, oh, man. It, it's hard to look past these. This is the 11th starting combination up front in 12 games for the Eagles. Good luck. Good luck playing that way. But yeah. seven sacks is big time. They, they locked up the running game. Look, I, they gave up the fourth and 18 pass. They do. They do have this bad habit of, of not going for the kill. Um, but I I do see progress because they play bad lesser teams early in the year and got gouged by them. Right? You know, Jacksonville had some moments against the Packers here a few weeks ago. Um, I, I think, again, I think they're turning the corner here. But they're they're never going to be a great defense. They might only be mediocre, but we've talked yeah. about in the past. Mediocre might be good enough the way this offense is rolling. Mediocre is yep. good enough because. As long as the defense has a, ter- a takeaway or two and comes up with a timely stop, I wrote this tonight. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones, you can make the argument they're the best QB wide receiver running back trio in the league. Now, now I know Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. I know there's a tight end in there, but regardless, semantics. Packers have one of the, uh, the best big threes, if you want to call it that. And them, along with that offensive line, Lazard, Tunyon has eight touchdown catches. That's tied for the most by a tight end in Rodgers' career. Packers tight end, that is, with Jermichael Finley in 11 and Richard Rodgers in 15. And Tunyon still has four games to go. So he, he could easily break that. He's become a great downfield threat, great route runner. Nobody wants to cover him, which is beyond me. Um, <laughs> that is amazing, th- isn't this, it? this offense can, can win you any game. And... We've talked about it. There's no team like the 49ers in the NFC this year, a team that's clearly the cream of the crop. The Saints have their flaws. Boy, do the Seahawks and and the Rams and the Cardinals have their flaws. And what is it? If the season ended today, the Packers would host the Vikings at Lambeau in the first round? Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I, I realize the Vikings won here, but um, I, I'd take the Packers. That, that, that was some really weird circumstances with the wind and everything. I will, I will take Green Bay. Um, I will take Green Bay in a rematch. Yep. So let's get to some questions since I know we've got a couple. There's probably a couple of fire pet and questions in there, but that's expected. There is. It's amazing, uh, I mean, man. Come on. What are we doing here? There's amazing. What? People are firing Mike Petton again. They gave up 16 points today, and J.K. Scott gave up seven of them. I mean, good heavens. It's crazy. All right. Yeah, people are, people are mad. Um... Is this a 13? This is from Brian. Is this a 13? Te- 13. Yeah, it is 13. Boy, it's a long night. Is this a 13-win team? Was that performance against a 3-win team with a significant injury list anything to get excited about? Yeah, because the Eagles have a pretty good defense. They have Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, Darius Slay. Like They're, they're physical and tough, especially up front. And... I understand their linebacking core isn't great and their offensive line's not great, but I'd be encouraged by 30 points against this defense. Listen, the, the offenses the last two weeks the Packers have faced aren't good. That's putting it lightly. The Bears and Eagles stink on offense, but 
Both teams have good defenses, and the Packers have now put up a combined 71 points the last two weeks. I would say that's something to be encouraged about. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, I, I didn't think the Packers are going to cover. Shows shows I don't gamble. <laughs> but I, I thought the return of Zach Ertz might get Carson Wentz going wrong. Um, Miles Sanders against the Packers run defense, I thought that might be trouble. Well, I was wrong on that one, too. And like you said, that front four is legit strong. And against a revamped offensive line, and uh, they took care of business again. So next up, Kevin Cushing. Was the Wagner-Runyon swap a bit of a surprise? Yeah, I would say so, especially because I wrote that John Runyon Jr. was going to start his first career game, talk to his parents and everything. But it was a little bit of a surprise. I said before the game to a couple people, I wouldn't be totally shocked if they slid Turner inside, moved Lucas Patrick to left guard, and started Rick Wagner at right tackle just because he's more experienced and you know, you're know you not throwing a rookie in there against a really good defensive front and a guy like Fletcher Cox, who's an all-world defensive tackle. Um, it was a little bit of, of a surprise, but you know, aside from that first sack where Lucas Patrick got beat, I thought Turner and Wagner held up well. I, I don't watch the offensive line close enough during the game, but I didn't notice them much. And that's a good thing. I, I think Rick Wagner has been a pleasant surprise this season when he's played. And we've talked about it before. Billy Wagner has been one of the unsung heroes of this season. So listen, whatever lineup the Packers put out there on the offensive line is going to work. That's just how their offensive line is this year. Yeah, I was surprised only because I, maybe I, this is my Mark, Mike McCarthy tenure training here. Um, but there's a lot of moving parts today. Compared to the usual line, the only guy in his usual spot was Bakhtiari. I mean, you got Elton Jenkins going from left guard to center, Lucas Patrick from right guard to left guard, Billy Turner from right tackle to right guard, and then Wag then Wagner in it right. I mean, that's all. That's a lot of stuff going on, and that that can that can end poorly. And when Patrick gave up that sack right away, I mean, he just got roasted. I'm like, oh boy, this is not not promising. But the, yeah, that was that was really about it. I mean, Rodgers could have enjoyed one of those uh, pregame meal sandwiches that we eat back in the pocket. He had a lot of time today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the play that he threw out of the back of the end zone, he had so much time on that play. And on a play like that, you're trying to get as much defensive pressure as possible. And the offensive line gave him just all the time in the world. And if you let Aaron Rodgers sit back there, he's going to pick you apart. What, what do you say? Eight days till Sunday? Is that your <laughs> saying, Bill? Um, um, a month of Something Sundays. Like that. A month of Sundays. A month of Sundays. That's right. Okay. What do we got next? Josh Reuter wants to know, is it more likely that Petten or Menenga are gone after this year? Menenga, I think. I mean, yes. I don't think either of them are gone, but they gave up. They have now given up, and this is courtesy of Domovsky Stats and Information, two punt return touchdowns in a season for the first time since 1964. I was negative 31 years old. Both of my <laughs> parents weren't even born. I mean, that's ridiculous. Your punter isn't improving. And yeah, some of it's on the players, but, you know, we know who falls on the sword in this league. It's the coaches. And the return units haven't gotten anything going. You know, Crosby's missed a couple extra points. The blocking has been terrible uh, on both units, on return, uh, on the Packers' return units, and when other teams are returning. So it's just not good. I would say Menenga. I think the fire pet and train is coming to a halt. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, I would I would agree on Menenga as well. Um can you imagine 
Again, I realize you weren't alive for Vince Lombardi either, nor was I. But can you imagine how pissed he must have been to give up two punt return touchdowns? Oh, boy. boy. <laughs> that, that would not have been good. Oh, boy. Hack Attack wants to know, why does it seem that this team tends to take its foot off the gas in games? Coaching issue or player issue? It's a good idea. Um, I'd say it's a little bit of both. The coaches can only do so much to keep the guys focused. I would say it's more of a player issue. Now, I don't know if take their foot off the gas. To me, when you say take their foot off the gas, that implies they do it for a prolonged period of time. They took their foot off the gas for a minute and a half. You know, it was from the eight minute mark to the 630 mark in the fourth quarter that they didn't do so hot and, and saw their lead go from 23 to three to 23 to 16. Other than that, I thought they played well. But you're right, against teams like the Vikings and the Jaguars and today against the Eagles and for spurts against the Lions, I mean, that's going to happen. I mean, the Seahawks lost to the Giants today. It's going to happen. It's about can you weather that storm and come up with one or two plays good enough to overcome those lulls that the Packers had today. So I wouldn't be too concerned about it, but I do think it is probably more of a player issue. That's a great point, Matt. So they, they give up the long touchdown, and I don't, I don't know what happened in fourth and 18. Um, I was too busy writing my game story thinking the pe- <laughs> I had taken my foot off the gas as far as <laughs> watching the game. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it was a missed assignment or someone slipped. I, I don't know what happened. But, so they give up that long touchdown pass. Philly's next possession, they gain seven yards. Philly's n- next possession, which is the final possession, they throw an interception. Um, so the defense closed it out in style, and obviously Aaron Jones closed it out in style. So you're right, they... If they took the foot off the gas, it was for a blip in time. For my former UW-Whitewater colleague, Steve Clark, he wants, and this is actually a very good question, first one he's ever asked, by the way, (laughs) which first-round pick is playing better, Gary or Savage? That's a good question. They're both playing really well. And, you know, after last season, we were like, where's Gary, where's Savage? Well, this is what everyone was talking about, Goody, media, whoever, when they said the most important jumps this season will be from the 2019 draft class. You don't need the immediate contributions from the 2020 draft class. You need guys like Gary Savage, you know, Sternberger to a lesser extent, the guys who they drafted last year to step up. And Gary's playing great, getting a lot of good pressure on the quarterback. But I'm going to go with Savage because it's not just that he's had three interceptions the last two weeks. This dude is flying in midair for these interceptions tracking the ball really well. The one today, he basically levitated. <laughs> I mean, that was ridiculous. Yeah, I might go with Gary um, because just because he's done it, he's, he's played really well, I would say, for the bulk of the season while Savage has made the splash plays of late. But look, these I, I would say Savage is the more important player if, for these guys to get to the Super Bowl this year. I, I would say they need, a, they need this sort of play to continue from Savage. So I would say Gary the better player, but Savage may be the more important one going forward. That's fair. From Brown Pluto, after the Seahawks blunder today, is that it really a, only a two-horse race for the NFC? No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, who knows? If, like you said to Matt LaFleur after the game, if they're playing the, the Cardinals in the first round here, you got one of the best receivers in the league in DeAndre Hopkins, a scrambling quarterback, which we know the Packers have trouble with. And if you, you give up a punt return touchdown to Christian Kirk or whoever returned the punts, returns the punts for for Arizona, that could be a, a, a first-round exit. Like When you get into the playoffs, one mistake can cost you the game. 
Packers almost lost to the Seahawks last year with a big lead. I mean, anything goes in the playoffs. And I would say that the Packers and the Saints are right now the clear favorites, but nothing would shock me if the Packers lost in the first round or if the Packers made it to the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be surprised either way. You know, expect anything in 2020, especially in this NFL season. Yeah, we talked about this, you know, before the game or maybe early. The NFC stinks. I mean, who knows? I think you called them frauds, right? Did you use the word frauds? The whole NFC? Uh, I think that was something like that. If I didn't use that exact word, I'll use it now. The whole NFC are frauds. And maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but my point is that all the NFC teams are susceptible to games where they just disappear. And if you disappear for one week in the playoffs, you're done. Right. Yeah. I don't want, I would not write up Seattle. I mean, Wilson, Metcalf, Lockett, those guys have scored a lot of points. I know they somehow done against the Giants, but they are certainly capable. And you mentioned Arizona. Who the heck wants to see Kyler Murray? Nobody. In any any one-and-done game. Would you want to play that guy? Nope. Not me. Ray's in hell. Poor Ray. He wants to know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you the Packers can win out? Um, Seven. I, I think, I know, listen, the Titans got... Obama uh, abolished abolished that's not the right word abominated oh boy I don't have the excuse that it's 1 a.m it's only 10 o'clock they got demolished there we go by the (laughs) by the Browns today Browns are a good team but you know I expected more from the Titans I think they beat the Lions the Panthers and the Bears again the one game I could see them losing is the Titans just because of Derrick Henry I mean but I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers won that game Matt LaFleur knows that team well, not that that would make that much of a difference because he was their offensive coordinator two years ago, but um, I'd put it at as, as, as a seven on the confidence scale that the Packers went out, and those those three points away from a 10 are only because Derrick Henry's left on the schedule. Yeah, it's something, I, mean, I don't know, it is It is such an any given Sunday, and we've seen it with these guys, you lose at home to Minnesota, you lose at home to Jacksonville, it seems like a tall task um, to win to end the season with what six, seven wins in a row. That's that seems like a lot. Yeah. So the last question, last reps, as they say, comes from Josh. How disappointed was Matt Schneiderman that Runyon didn't get his first start against the Eagles today? I wasn't disappointed because I didn't I didn't write that he was going to start. I said it was likely he was going to start. And yes, it's better that I wrote that story before the game than I was thinking about waiting to write it after the game to make sure that he started, but yeah, uh, I'm not upset. You always like to see when a story pans out like that, but it didn't. We'll watch the tape. We'll live to see another day. I'm just focused on doing my one eleven. <laughs> hey, look, it's a, it's a great story. And, wh- and whether he played or not, it is still the son of a, I hate to say NFL legend, it's probably a bit too strong, but the son of a really, really good football player on the field against his dad's former team. That is pretty damn cool. Hey, and look, you can always repost it for Tennessee because Runyon played for the Titans. He did, and he actually made an all-pro team for the Titans, which he didn't do with the Eagles. So I sent I sent an athletic repost. And hell, I, I reposted my story from May when I talked to Runyon's dad. I reposted it for <laughs> this game, so why not repost it again? There you go. It'll say, editor's note, this is a repost of a repost. That'll be great. Good stuff. Whatever gets the clicks, baby. <laughs> but hey, we, we've got a special deal for you over at The Athletic to close this out. 
Um, you know, you can find Bill over at SI, you can find me at The Athletic, but what we have for you, let me pull this up real quick. Tomorrow, so I guess today, we're recording this Sunday night, so Monday through the end of 2020, The Athletic is running a buy one, gift one subscription deal. If you missed out on our $1 a month deal for Black Friday, I'm sorry. If you want to work that that buy one, gift one subscription deal um, into your holiday gifting, you can do that. You can go to theathletic.com slash head of the pack to grab that deal. Get the gift you want. One price, two subscriptions, every team. It's not just the Packers. Rooting interest not required. If you have a sports fan in your life that just loves to read great journalism, or if you have a diehard fan who is looking to follow their favorite team around the holidays as the playoff push heats up, you know where to get it. Theathletic.com slash head of the pack. That's all you need to know. For Bill, for me, for our fantastic producer, Danielle, I'm Matt Schneidman. We'll talk to you next week.